Hello and welcome to the Legendary Leaders Podcast, where we chat all things leadership and personal development related, absolutely authentically and unscripted. On this podcast, my guests and I are going to introduce you to ideas and concepts that show how you can move past your fears, negative self-talk and constant doubts in order to encourage and motivate you on your journey to becoming a legendary leader yourself with more impact, influence and inspiration. So, are you ready for it? Welcome once again to Legendary Leaders, the podcast. Welcome to Legendary Leaders, the podcast. My name is Kathleen Merkel and I am the host of this show. Another show, another episode, another wonderful guest. And I have a male leader here with me today. We are talking about bravery in particular. His name is Darren Murner and he has over a decade of experience with some of the largest corporations in America. So he can share and he will share a lot of those experiences in organizations, what works really well, what doesn't work too well, what needs changing in particular, and how does he contribute to those changes today on the show? He has worked as an outside consultant, uh, led operations and finance teams, and worked in risk management. So you see already that he has been a leader in a more traditional sense for uh, quite a few years, and he has gathered a lot of experience, has taken away a lot of learning from it as well, which we are going to talk about. And these experiences have provided a thesis for his book, Corporate bravery. What does corporate bravery really mean? Why is it important to be bolder in corporate? How can we encourage our people to be braver, right? And show bravery a little bit more. And the other area we're going to talk about is his uh, business that he has co-founded in 2015 when he started his latest venture, Cloverleaf, a technology platform for building highly productive teams. How does that work, right? How can a technology platform really do that? But I think this year in particular, 2020, has shown us technology is needed. Technology can have a huge impact. And he's going to share with us what impact his technology really has and how he and his team support other team members in organizations through Cloverleaf as well. So tune in. And let us know after the episode, what do you think about it? What is your view on bringing technology into businesses to help build highly productive team, to really help them collaborate, to help them be more honest with each other, to help them become braver? We'd love to hear from you. So leave a comment on iTunes, leave your reviews. We always want to know what you want to hear more or less of. But for now, enjoy the episode. Speak to you in a moment. Hello and a big welcome to you, Darren. How are you today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me today. Ah, couldn't wait for having you here on the show and sharing your story with us, um, what you're doing right now in particular, how you're helping the world in particular teams and organizations. But to start with, I would love for you to share with the audience, what's your origin story? So what's your background? What has driven you to get to your 2020 you? And, and really, where did all your ideas come from? Yeah, it's a great question. And man, gosh, uh, where do I even start from uh, <laughs> with that question? So I grew up in a rural town in the United States and fairly uh, impoverished uh, family and in a fairly impoverished community. And I definitely think that had a role to play in terms of my motivation and my drive 
uh, great family dynamics, right? Love my parents. And I think they did the best that they could, but uh, just the circumstances that we were in and went to college. And after college, you know, I kind of had always viewed education as an opportunity to build something better for myself, right? In terms of my circumstances and the environment that I wanted to, to be in. And I felt like the ticket to do that was, you know, through a, just a traditional career path in a corporate yeah. environment. And so my focus was really on, you know, getting the education and training that I needed to move into a, a more traditional corporate role and, you know, looked at some really great organizations out of college. So Procter & Gamble, Arthur Anderson, um, you know, just great, well-respected brands and ended up choosing Arthur Anderson out of college. And the funny thing was looking back on it and for anybody that understands or has the historical perspective of Arthur Anderson at the time, they were one of the big five accounting firms along with Deloitte and Touche and PricewaterhouseCoopers and Ernst & Young. And I just always thought, I was like, man, you know, consumer brands, they kind of come and go and, you know, consumer sentiment is, is fickle, but everyone's always going to need an accounting firm, right? And man, they just had such a great sterling reputation. And a year and a half in, you know, Enron happened and Arthur Anderson happened to be the accounting firm for Enron. And, you know, it ended up being a large corporate accounting scandal that Arthur Anderson got wrapped up into. And three months later, the uh, firm had completely collapsed, 85,000 global employees, and they were gone overnight. Mm -hmm. And it was a good early, I, I guess I would say reminder, but I'm not sure it was a reminder. It was a good lesson, I guess I should say, that if you just seek out kind of the the safest, easiest path, that is just a mirage, Right. And really what you need to do is bet on yourself and put yourself in a position to be successful regardless of the circumstances. So that was kind of the beginning of my corporate career. I had 15 years worked with other large international organizations like the Munich Regroup. And one of the things that was always challenging for me, um, I, I think I was successful in the corporate environment and I understood how to navigate the political structures and uh, to be successful in that environment. But I always had to have things on the side, right? Like side projects, I'd invested in real estate. My wife and I started a business, you know, the, the year after getting married and we sold part of that business and she still runs the other part of that business today, some, you know, 14 years later. And it really just getting a taste for that. I remember being in the fifth grade and my, my father sold specialty advertising, uh, which is like, you know, putting your, your name, you know, like a small local grocer or a funeral home and that would have the name and the logo on this and he would go like door to door to these businesses and sell yeah. pens and pencils and calendars. And I would take his leftover samples and I sold them in the fifth grade and I earned enough to buy a, a video game system. You know, one of the, one of the original kind of video game systems. And yeah, so success. I think I always was an entrepreneur, but it took me 15 years in a corporate environment to really embrace that mantra or that label that I, I was an entrepreneur and I wanted to go build my own thing. I have been in corporate for 15 years, 15 odd years as well. Sure. And it took me quite some time to realize that there's an entrepreneur in me. How did you notice that it's in you, part obviously from early experiences, selling things and setting up businesses, but how did you really know and get a sense for this nowadays entrepreneurship? 
Yeah, I think I think for me it was this sense that I really enjoyed building things. And, you know, that obviously I was a hustler growing up and, you know, would would find a way to make a make a dollar. But for me, it was just this sense that I really enjoyed the process of building and creating. Mm. And, you know, that's not for everyone. You know, there's a, a lot of people who are great at maintaining and executing. And I just would have visions and ideas and I could see the eight to 10 steps or, you know, 150 steps out. Uh, that could take that idea from just a concept to a reality. Mm-hmm. So I really, it, it kept coming back to that. And even in the corporate environments and the roles that I had in, in corporate, I would seek out opportunities to build and create. And if those weren't available to me, then I would find ways to scratch that itch. And over time, it just, it dawned on me that it's like, no, I, this is actually who I am. And really my last corporate role we had some compliance issues and needed to kind of like shrink the organization that we were a part of. Right. Because we needed to kind of like back some things up, put some process and stuff in place. And then the business could move forward from there. And in that process, it was like, man, this actually is warring against my soul. Right. Because Mm -hmm. if I am a builder at my essence, then going through this process where I have to literally destroy, right. I'm being asked to, wind relationships down and to kill off products or business lines of business. And that was really kind of the final straw for me. I said, you know what, this, I actually just need to embrace this label as an entrepreneur and, you know, walk away from a great salary and a great organization with great benefits. And this is just what I need to do to be true to myself. Fantastic. It's so important to, listen to our inner voices and really understand what do I stand for? Who am I? Right. And what does it mean to be true to myself? I experienced it quite frequently that I help women leaders in particular to understand who am I? Because in particular in the corporate world, when you get into this, how can I call it on this treadmill of doing, doing, doing and delivering for certain projects for other people, you may almost unlearn, who you really are, what yeah, your values right. are, your passions, your beliefs, and all of these things. And suddenly you, you really need to shift and think again about, okay, what is it that I really want to do? What is it that gets me out of bed in the morning? So it's, it's great that you have done that. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I think our cultures too uh, just reinforce a lot of that, right? Mm-hmm. Where it's like, it's less about who I am and you know what that inner voice is actually telling me. And it's more about imitating other people or other situations or other outcomes. And it's pretty easy to get 10, 15, 20 years down the road and to have lost the real sense or essence of who you are. And I think really giving people tools and resources to tap into that and discover, again, who they are is a huge part of what, why we built Cloverleaf and why we're doing what we're doing with Cloverleaf. Yeah, we will come to that in a short moment. Sure. Um, just staying with your corporate career for a little bit longer. When you think back onto this career, what is it you have learned about leadership and what makes a truly legendary leader for you? You know, one of the things that I did at the end of that corporate career is I wrote a book called Corporate Bravery. And it was really kind of 
maybe it was uh, cathartic for me to just be able to recount some of these stories and kind of reflect back on it was like a nice point in time where I could kind of make a break from that and move towards, you know, kind of this new future as an entrepreneur. But I thought there was some important lessons that I learned in, in that process. And a big part of it was about being brave. What does it mean to be brave in a corporate context? And what I saw too often in that 15 year career was leaders and people in the organization leading out of fear, you know, making decisions based on what the competition was doing or what did a boss think or expect and what could go wrong and what new compliance regimes, you know, is coming into place that might shift our business in a completely different direction. And it wasn't, you know, I, I, the essence of corporate bravery wasn't to say ignore those things, right? I mean, it's important to understand what the competition's doing. It's important to understand where compliance systems are moving. Mm -hmm. But what I would see is way too often people make decisions singularly focused on those things and really out of a place of fear. And what I wanted to do was kind of give a different voice to leadership and the essence of being successful in a business organization as a leader or even as, a, as an individual contributor in that environment to say, hey, there is a different way. And we should think about, you know, we should think about the role of transparency and allowing people to be themselves in the context of the work that they're doing. You know, we hire employees for all that they bring to the table, not just to be you know, a simple cog in the wheel yeah. and way too many people are hiding parts of who they are at work because, you know, they're afraid of these, these uh, different aspects or different expectations or beliefs. And that's very similar to what we talked about just in terms of like how we get stuck in that 15 year rut is just taking other people's expectations mm -hmm. or even projecting people's expectations, right. That may not actually be there, but if we've received some sort of implicit communication that makes us think that, it's easy for us to project other people's thoughts or potential thoughts on yeah. our actions. I couldn't agree more. And if I may add something to it, obviously, staff members, individual contributors, whoever, they have a choice to share their own voice, to be truly themselves. However, you can also get very, very paralyzed because you have tried it before. You've tried to challenge. You've tried to bring in a different view, but you weren't listened to or you were not being taken seriously. And at some point, that's at least what I experience quite a bit when I work with teams. You get this paralyzed behavior of, well, there's no use in sharing it anyway. Nothing's going to happen. And that's a real, real shame. So what can, from your perspective, organizational leaders do in order to avoid it and actually encourage different views? Yeah, I think part of it is starts with respecting and understanding the value of those different viewpoints, right? Yeah. And different experiences. And that's part of what we do with Cloverleaf is really bring these differences to the table, not as, hey, you're an outlier, you're different or you're wrong, but more from the standpoint of look at these different ways that we each bring strengths and experiences to the table that can be helpful towards us achieving our end result. And so our focus is on providing multiple dimensional views of team dynamics. Mm -hmm. So thinking styles, communication, what motivates or persuades us, what are some of the circumstances with our work that we need to be successful as an individual? 
what are our goals? What are our skills and experiences, right? All of these are different contextual things about yeah. us as individuals that when we come together as a team, you know, it's important to be able to navigate those things. You know, not everyone, you know, if, if you're in a cross-functional team, you know, it's important to have that kind of like business development, growth-minded person who's trying to drive and take on new territory as much as it's important to have somebody that does have that compliance-based lens to it or execution lens to it, right? So really being able to understand and respect those things and having a clear model for where those things fit into the definition of success or how we can achieve the, the end result is a really powerful tool to use to build team performance over time. So when you co-created Cloverleaf, what was your big idea? What was your vision or still is your vision for the organization? Yeah, so a little bit of this was the experience I had with my co-founder because her and I worked in an organization or in an environment where we got to see, we, we would do anywhere from 100 to 150 concurrent projects. And these were like eight to 10 weeks in duration, yeah. very similar kind of delivery style or method. And what we saw was that the outcome of those projects were largely based on the combinations of people that we put on those projects, right? Very similar process, very similar delivery model, but the outcomes varied widely. And we would take a designer and put them with a creative director and it would be a grand slam home run. And we'd take that same designer and put them with a different creative director and it would just fall flat on its face. And what we knew was that that interactivity, right, that hidden insight that sits below the surface, right, you know, when you walk into a new team environment and you've got new relationships that you need to learn, there's tons of hidden, you know, ways of operating and hidden past experiences and skill sets and strengths. These are things that you learn over time, mm. but it could take six months, a year, two years to learn those things. And even then, you know, you may not still really understand the depth of that. Mm -hmm. And so was there a way that we could speed that process up by providing insight and visualization to those hidden aspects? So and what strikes me here, since I've heard about the organization for the first time is how does it work? So it's hard enough to help people or teams become high-performing teams to build those strong relationships, to understand and appreciate those differences in each other when you work with them face-to-face. -face. Now, yeah. you offer a technology here. So how does that come together with your overall goal? Tell us a little bit about how it works. Maybe share an example if you can. That would be fantastic. Yeah. So, I mean, the way Cloverleaf works is there's two kind of main components to it. So one is an in-app experience that uses assessments. So these are assessments that everyone is familiar with and have probably taken over time tools like Myers-Briggs and StrengthsFinder and, you know, Enneagram is very popular here yeah. in the U.S. right now. And the, the goal there is really about self-discovery, right? Understanding who you are at the core of who you are. But then the other piece is visualization of how you interact with the people around you, right? Mm -hmm. So the in-app experience is largely the assessment component and the data visualization of you interacting with other people on the team. And then the other really important aspect is we integrate with the tools that employees use every day. So email, calendar, Slack, or Microsoft Teams. 
And then we push out coaching insights that are contextually relevant to the people that you're interacting with every day. So we can see that, hey, you have eight meetings today and it's with these 15 people. And when you're interacting with Kathleen, right, establish some rapport. You know, don't just jump right in and talk about facts and figures and the outcomes, but ask how things went, you know. So we're, we're basically coaching you in those interactions that you have. And whether it's an intact team, you've been together for 10 years, one, you can still find insights, right? Because you're, I think we're all, we're all complex people and we're constantly evolving. But uh, especially in environments where you're interacting and working with people that are in different functional areas, maybe you haven't had a lot of experience with, or even as sales leaders or business development leaders where you're interacting with people outside your organization, it's a tool that can help you be more effective in those sales or account management relationships. So they have on the one hand, the self-insight right through the psychometric testing and that are as, as you said there are plenty available out there but on the other hand you have those insights as well and can customize your messages to the individuals that's right yeah and that's that's one of the things that we see is really powerful because you know one of the one of the downsides with those psychometric tools oftentimes is the the language that's used right can be a barrier to adoption and once you're there, once you're on the inside of that, you have a deeper understanding and appreciation. But how can we use plain language, right, that is contextual to the things that you're doing? Oh, it's a strategy conversation. Oh, this is the first time that you're meeting. This is someone that's being onboarded to your team, right? Yeah. Each of those contexts are different. And uh, maybe there's power dynamics. This is a manager and subordinate relationship, or is this a peer relationship? So really being able to tap into the contextual elements of those interactions and then take that and combine it with that behavioral insight to provide the right kind of coaching at the right time. And it's just been highly engaging and it's been really powerful for the people who are using the platform to grow to a new place, build better relationships, you know, increase sense of belonging on the teams that they're a part of and a clearer sense of the strengths that they bring to the table and the unique role that it plays in that team environment. Which again comes back to how the team is also being led, right? There almost has to be, I hate to use the word, but permission to really express your strengths, to live up to your strengths and so on and so forth. So how are the leaders involved in the process? Yeah, well, obviously the leaders are part of the team as well, mm -hmm. right? So they're getting the same kind of insights that the rest of the team members are getting. And we do have additional features and capabilities that are available specifically for team leaders yeah. to give them that sense of, you know, I'm about to walk into a one-on-one -on -one conversation or I'm about to deliver some really difficult performance feedback. Uh, how do I do this in a way that's loving and caring, mm -hmm. right? And respects how they are going to receive this information, how they're going to process it, yeah. but also in a way that is going to be not only received, but acted on, right? So where are their recommendations or growth opportunities for this person in this situation? And so what we find oftentimes, you know, lead, leadership, especially that entry-level leadership is really underinvested in, mm -hmm. in a lot of organizations. And we take really strong, technically proficient people and we move them into a leadership role, 
but oftentimes without with little to no training or you know support or tool sets that they can use to be effective on an ongoing basis and by providing this contextualized content you know that's that's at their fingertips it gives them the confidence and the insight that they need to have effective conversations and build their leadership competency over time so yeah. Yeah. And that's that's such an important point. I'm glad you made it, especially on that level. But I would say on all levels of leadership, the sustainability is really, really important. Often coaches, trainers come in, deliver a program, a training, whatever is needed, and then off you go. That's the expectation. However, we, we evolve as people, as leaders, as individual contributors. And Absolutely. Having step-by-step support along the way that's so customized to your needs is a fantastic way to give yourself the best chances of success. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's not only us that are evolving, but it's the organization that's evolving as well, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, we have turnover, we have new projects and new initiatives, and we get to work with new people inside of those initiatives. And we need something, we need technology to come alongside that. And we're not there to replace the coach. You know, if you've got internal coaching and mentoring, this tool can be used to kind of come alongside that. Or if you're Mm -hmm. using an external coach to kind of help you build those leadership competencies and capabilities, you know, that coach is only going to be there, you know, at certain times, maybe it's once a month or once a week, you know, if you're lucky enough to have somebody that is that engaged. But what about the hundreds of interactions? One of the things that we've looked at is the average employee has 115 interactions with other people throughout their day through tools like email, you know, email messages Mm -hmm. or Slack or Microsoft Teams or in meetings, you know, whether that's obviously Zoom meetings today, but or face-to-face meetings once, uh, once we're able to do that. So 115 interactions, that coach is not going to be there for all of those. So how can we come alongside that relationship, support it and enhance it to create that sustainability, which is exactly what you mentioned. That's a brilliant point you've just mentioned, because one of the big questions I have for you is, how do you overcome the objection of technology? So I don't know what it is like for you, but for me, I'm obviously focusing more and more on how can I engage in this virtual space we find ourselves in when you cannot be face-to-face with people anymore, which you couldn't be really working globally anyway all the time. But there, there is this Zoom fatigue, right? Too much in front of the screen, too often just talking on the phone. I don't want to do that anymore. It would be nice to see someone. I'm pretty sure you hear that from time to time as well. So what is it you can really offer to your clients to say, look, this is the clear advantage, use technology, that's the way forward. Yeah, no, we experience that ourselves too, right? I mean, I think, you know, I think everyone is exhausted by the the schedules and the use of technology and the kind of what feeling that it's just always on, yeah. but it's never really at the depth that we want. And I think, that's something, you know, even pre-COVID that we experienced that, you know, as, as teams became more remote, one of the things that often happens is you get more focused on the very tactical elements of your work relationship. So I only reach out and engage with you when I need something. So there's very specific requests or action items. Whereas if we're in person, oftentimes what we, what we get are these serendipitous moments to 
have a conversation about things that are of interest outside, or maybe it's, maybe it's still work related, right? But it's an opportunity to build a deeper level of connection and meaning in our relationships. Mm. So one of the things that we've done and we've really focused on in terms of enabling, and I think even more so, and I think our clients are finding even more value from it today because of this kind of Zoom and technology fatigue is how can we create moments and opportunities or experiences that allow people to step outside of that like very tactical execution focused kind of requests or interactions with your teammates to say, hey, here's something really unique and valuable about this person on your team. Mm-hmm. Just jump in on the conversation, you know, start a conversation about where you've experienced that with that person mm-hmm. in the past week. And remember to say thank you for that, right? So in a, in a tool like Slack or Microsoft Teams, it makes it really easy for the whole team to engage around that conversation. And people walk away from that if they're the subject of that, of that prompt, then it gives them a chance to really walk away from that feeling like, hey, I'm heard, I'm understood, and I'm a valuable member of this team. And um, so really what, we, what we've tried to do is create these opportunities for there to be deeper connection and meaning in those relationships where, you know, in a remote environment, it's often hard to, to create. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what I really love about it is on top of everything you've just said, it also really exploits the inner resources that you have in a team. As soon as you help team members connect with each other, show genuine interest in each other, support each other, appreciate each other, that's the moment when you get more ideas, when you build solutions together. That's right. And, and that's just absolutely amazing. That's what you want, right, in a team to become well, really and, high performing. Right. And part of that is you need to embed it in the subconscious. You know, like if you get an opportunity to experience those kinds of conversations regularly, yeah. it brings those things to the front of your mind so that when an opportunity or a problem comes up in the future, you remember this unique value that those team members bring and you're able to tap into their skill sets and their experiences and their strengths at the right times and in the right situations to take that, the effectiveness of collaboration, the effectiveness of teamwork up to a new level. Yeah. Brilliant. I'm curious, what kind of organizations go for it and work with you? And I don't need to know the name. It's more the, <laughs> the, their way of operating, their kind of behaviors, their culture. What does it look like? Yeah, they're definitely common characteristics. So, I mean, I think we uh, obviously where we excel is where there's high levels of collaboration or where high levels of collaboration are needed. Mm-hmm. Uh, we often see that in three kind of key areas across the organization. So one is like sales and account management. So those yeah. people focused on business development that might have to work collaboratively inside the organization to bring a particular service or offering to a client. The second is technology teams, right? We're, we're obviously moving to a more agile software methodology uh, mindset and approach for a lot of cultures. And it requires cross-functional collaboration, right? Taking someone from marketing or product and, you know, two or three engineers and putting them with a, a scrum master or a project manager to effectively deliver on something that could take weeks or months at a time of focused effort. So obviously high levels of collaboration, cross-functional collaboration is important there. 
The third is what we would consider that innovation area, right? So product design or product development, R&D, innovation, oftentimes design or creative work. Mm -hmm. So that could be in your more traditional like marketing or branding agencies. Those are really kind of the three key segments that we tend to to really uh, do well in. But honestly, leadership and teamwork is leadership and teamwork, right? It doesn't matter which industry or what the specific factors or characteristics of that teamwork. And we've had success with small nonprofits and we've had success with larger implementations with multinational organizations. So really anyone I think can get value from the tool. Fantastic. What's next for Cloverleaf? Man, it's a great question. You should see our product roadmap. It's long. Show me. <laughs> it, it, always, it always feels longer than we're able to actually execute on, but uh, it's a fun challenge to have. But you know, our focus is really on being integrated with the tools that employees are using, right? So we're constantly thinking about new integrations and new applications of that. So integrations of tools like Salesforce or Jira, where we can partner closer to the specific tasks that are happening and in a way that can, you know, help resource the right people for the task. One of the other things that we're focused on is really moving uh, even deeper on 360 feedback and not in your traditional 360 model, but more around the specific interactions that are happening. So coming out of a meeting and, you know, it's a strategy conversation. Hey, uh, what was your experience there? And what could have been improved? And in a way that isn't, you know, punitive, but more so in a way that can build development plans and capabilities to help people that are growth-minded take the next step in their personal development and their, in their career development. And then I think the bigger, the bigger sense is, you know, how do we help people find hidden talent across the organization? So in those bigger organizations, you know, there's a lot of people that are hidden, you know, because they don't have a manager or leader that's advocating for them in situations where people are making decisions on who to staff for new roles or new initiatives. And so how can we bring some of that information that we have about people to the surface in those conversations so that we give people opportunities for tasks that they wouldn't have had opportunities for otherwise, because we're really looking at the unique value that they play for the specific challenge that uh, the organization is facing. Lovely. So much of your work is needed nowadays when we, we live in this very, very strange, very different uh, world where we need to be far more accountable for our own growth as individuals, but at the same time, help leaders in responsibility of teams and other people to, yeah, as you said, find those and develop those hidden talents and unhide them, basically. So well That's done. right. Yeah, no, we, we really want to, our goal is to use technology to bring the human aspect back to work and how do we uncover some of those things that have just been traditionally really difficult to, mm -hmm. to put our finger on. And I think we've, we've made some great strides and we've got some really exciting things down the road as well. Brilliant. I do have a couple of questions for you left. One in particular sure. refers back to corporate bravery. You are the master of understanding what bravery means. What was the bravest decision you've ever made or the bravest step you've ever taken? 
Oh gosh. I mean, it was probably leaving my corporate career, right? I had three young children and, you know, again, kind of that concept of stable path forward. And honestly, we took a pretty significant step back financially, you know, as a, as a family to make that kind of an investment and that kind of risk. So stepping out to, you know, build something, especially, you know, it's funny because I'll tell people from time to time, sometimes the challenges are really complex, right? Building a new segment of the market where, you know, you're, you're not just, uh, if, I, if I'm looking for Indian food to eat today, I know where I can go and I can search for that. I have a frame of reference for finding Indian food and where I would go to, to get that kind of culinary experience. But when you're creating kind of a new technology that's never been used before, if someone has conflict on a team, I'm not searching for technology to help me solve that, right? I'm asking around, I'm saying, hey, who do you know that can help with this really difficult challenge? And so creating a market segment is just really, really challenging. And I will often think, man, it would be great to just go into real estate, you know, or like these things that are just very quantifiable and, you know, have been around for centuries. Um, so yeah, it's, that's definitely probably one of the, the bravest steps that I've taken. Yeah, fantastic. And with regards to real estate, I think so many things are changing nowadays on that end as well. So you never really know what's coming. There's no, yeah, there's no industry that's immune to that for sure. No, no. When you look back at your experience so far, what are you particularly proud of? I mean, given this journey you've just described. Yeah, I mean, I, I really think Cloverleaf is the thing that I'm most proud of, largely because we're touching so many people on a daily basis. Mm. We have you know, 350,000 users, you know, 60% of those people are engaged in the platform on a weekly basis. So we get regular feedback from users, either through our chat window or through emails or just in our one-on-one -on -one interactions. And they talk to us about the impact that it had on just even small conversations and opportunities to build relationships that wouldn't have been there otherwise. And that's just a, an experience that I want to give more people. And I think we're really, really proud of the opportunity to help people not only discover what they can be best at, but the specific environments and how to build those, those better, more meaningful relationships in their work environment. Loving it. And you can be so proud of it. Uh, I feel quite inspired right now, I have to say. <laughs> and I just want to give the message to the audience to say, this is the perfect example how the technology can really, really enable collaboration, true, true, authentic collaboration. So for those of you who are a little bit skeptical about the digital world and technology, I have a chat with Darren. I can highly recommend to really see what it can do and how it can drive not just your teams, but your overall business forward, right? And community and connection is what the world needs. Absolutely. Absolutely. Darren, where can people find you and Cloverleaf, obviously, as well? Yeah, so if they're interested in the book, corporatebravery.com, or you can go to Amazon. Unfortunately, I don't uh, have a large publisher, so you can't go to your local bookstore, although that would be fantastic. But I would just check with Amazon, type in corporate bravery. Uh, you should be able to find it. And then for Cloverleaf, it's cloverleaf.me.me. So a little bit of a different domain name there, but they can go, they can create a free account. You can create a, a free team of up to five people. So I'd recommend people check that out and get some self-discovery for free. Lovely. I mean, who can say no to that, right? That's right. And thanks for 
putting a little bit of advertising in for good old Jeff Bezos. Um, he can <laughs> I'm sure he needs it. Yeah. <laughs> um, get in touch with Darren. Uh, it's a great opportunity to, you know, at least check out what Cloverleaf can do for you. It sounds very, very promising. I will definitely have a closer look at it. Thank you so much for joining us today, for sharing your very, very authentic own experiences here today. It's been a pleasure talking to you, Darren. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. And thanks for everyone for listening today. As always, we love to hear your feedback or read your feedback. So go on to iTunes. Don't forget to do that. Leave a review. And most importantly, get in touch with us. Get in touch with Darren. Get in touch with me. Let us know what you're really interested in and what you want to hear more about. And we are more than happy to dive into your needs and see what we can do to share some more insights with you that help you progress. So thanks so much. Have a fantastic rest of the week and we will speak to you soon again. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Legendary Leaders Podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, remember to subscribe to the show either on iTunes, Spotify or on my website, www.kathleenmerkel.com so that you can hear more about our next episodes. I would also love to hear from you to discover what topics you'd like to listen to on this podcast. Please head over to kathleenmerkel.com forward slash podcast and let me know. You can also find me on Facebook in the Legendary Leaders Facebook community. Thank you so much for listening and I look forward to connecting with you again on our next episode of the Legendary Leaders Podcast. Take care. Bye.